So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. This special episode of the Colorado Sports Guys podcast is brought to you by the Denver Chop House. The Denver Chop House, located at 19th and Wine Coop, offers up the best steaks, food, experience, atmosphere that you could hope for out of your local Colorado restaurants. Belly up to the bar with one of their craft beers. Enjoy a Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, or Broncos game at the Denver Chop House. They love us. We love you. Enjoy this special episode of the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there in the podcast world and tangled in the interwebs? We're not high above the beautiful streets of Denver, Colorado. We're actually deep within the bowels of the beast of the Pepsi Center. (laughs) Yes, we are. And that voice you hear is, of course, the King of Thornton, Jeff Morton. What's up, everybody? It's a pleasure to be inside the bowels. This uh, I was going to say this morning. It isn't so not this morning, but yeah, whatever. Yes. And a uh, special guest joining us today, of course, Nuggets General Manager Tim Conley. Yeah, thanks for having you guys. What's I'm not sure to- how to... Um can I have a bowel-related comment uh, as well? No, we're, that, we're two yeah. for two with the bowels. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. something about irritable bowels, and that's fine. <laughs> you get in there for sure. <laughs> well, Tim, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. We know you're probably busy trying to make trades and all that good stuff right yeah. now. So, Yes. Uh, yeah, this is also say. the first opportunity you'll have to speak directly to our listeners and our readers on Colorado Sports Guys and Denver Stiffs. Cool, yeah. You guys do a great job. Um, obviously, um, love the site. Um, listen to a bunch of your podcasts, and um, thanks for having me. Well, pleasure having you, Nate. Uh, Nate. <laughs> I've really started us off well. Uh, Tim. Jeff <laughs> this, is, this is how it goes. I, I, I mess up a whole bunch of things, and then we roll into it. Um, so let's start uh, basically with you. Um, I picked uh, – when you were first introduced, I think I talked about this before, I picked up your accent uh-huh. because my mom is from, from Baltimore and Catonsville, and – I I was I immediately thought of that, but, it, but what comes to mind is you're growing up in, in in Baltimore. I mean, were you a big basketball fan? Was this how did this evolve? Sure, yeah, I grew up in um, Northwest Baltimore City, and uh, obviously it's a it's a city that has a pretty proud basketball tradition. Um, the school I went to, um, it, it was the we were a pretty good team. It was actually the same high school Carmelo went to. Oh, yeah, uh, let's see, Dante Green. Um, who else? A handful of guys. Um, Gene Shu. I think this is like 80, yeah. 88th birthday today. Wow. Um, so, you know, it was a big emphasis on um, on basketball within the city, and it was the one sport that seemingly um, we saw guys build something out of. Um, lacrosse was a big sport as well, but I played all sports growing up. 
it just so happened that it, it was the most accessible sport. Um, and I, I stunk. I wasn't good by any stretch. But, you know, it's, it's an easy sport to play two-on-two, three-on-three with your buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, just need a ball, and there's courts everywhere. So certainly the um, the city and the kind of the basketball environment helped um, develop a passion and, um, you know, lead me down the path to, to this job. Was there, like, a particular place that you used to play growing up, like either in your driveway or a park or something? Yeah, we used to play a lot at um, at Druid Hill Park. Um, remember the the group Drew Hill? Yeah, oh, really yeah. old school R and B fans. Yeah, Cisco That's part it. of that group. Nice, good call. Yeah, actually, they used to work at the Fudgery in Inner Harbor. You know the Fudgery? No, so they they make fudge and they sing at the same time. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. So that park was big. There's a really uh, legendary gym in um, East Baltimore called uh, Madison Rec Center. It's a um, it's an outdoor court with a roof. That's where all our summer leagues were. But um, it was just fun. You know, I. I it was a fun thing to do, and it was um, so easily accessible, and uh, you could always find a good game. Well, in that in that context, you know, you're moving through high school, you're going through that. Did you know that you would be on a path to basically, you know, being a general, working in the front office of a of a, of a team? No, uh, you know what. Um, I had two great parents who um, were always really good at saying, "Look, find something that you love and, and throw yourself at it, and understand that in that." course throwing yourself at there's no um guarantee it's going to work um so i was at a school i was at fordham i was transferred to a d3 school to um, try to play i had a good buddy on the team um and uh, the same time my mom gave me this book how to get a job in sports um and i just cold i guess cold wrote is that the right i don't know yeah uh, there's no you know no internet or no e- email at Instead that of time cold calling you're just yeah, i was just writing letters to the east coast teams because i got there's a bunch of different colleges i could have um you know gone to I got lucky that the Washington Bullets at the time, uh, a guy wrote back, um, Chuck Douglas, and said, look, we, we're a mom-and-pop organization. You can't get credits. We can't pay you. But if you want to come and work for free, by all means. Um, so I didn't play Catholic, which was no loss to their program. You know? <laughs> um, switched my schedule around and um, got a job. Um, I think at that time, I think it was a busboy at ESPN zone. Um, and I, you know, went to Tuesday, Thursday classes and just every free minute I had, I'd go to a game, whether it's high school, college, or, um, or I'd be in the office. Um, and my only, my only, uh, realistic dream was at one point to get a paycheck to watch basketball. I had no delusions of grandeur about being a GM. Um, you know, guys call me now, I want to be like you. I said, you know, that's, you know, raise the bar a bit higher. <laughs> and but yeah, it's, it's. It's, I'm in the best place ever right now, working for the best owner. I think we have the best coach in the NBA. Um, our fans are amazing. You guys are awesome. But there's a, you know, there was a lot of stuff 16, 17 years ago that I'm not sure if they want to be like that as well. Right. Yeah. 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 Who are some of your uh, influences growing up as far as, well, maybe not influences, what athletes did you like growing up? Were you, did you have basketball players you liked? Or? Yeah, I really liked um, – I was in a um, – all the guys from Baltimore, Reggie Lewis was one of my favorite players. Um, I loved, um, I was a big University of Maryland fan. Walt Williams, I thought was a guy that stuck with the program through the, um, through all the issues. Um, he always had like the knee-high socks. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Um, <laughs> I was a huge Orioles fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually worked at Memorial Stadium in Camden Yards in the uh, concession stands. Um, like Eddie Murray to me, it's funny, I saw Eddie Murray at a Final Four party last year. And the two athletes I grew up where I said, there's two guys you're kind of in awe of, or Michael Jordan, who I work, worked for for several years. It was, he was great. And Eddie Murray. And my, my wife's like, I don't even know who Eddie Murray is. Just go say hello to him and talk to him. He's a big Hoops fan, and we've kind of kept up a little bit. But switch hitter, right? Switch hitter, yeah. yeah. He was a monster. One of the, he played with the mustache. Does he still have yeah. the record for the most home runs for, as a, for a switch hitter? 
I believe he does. I think he? so. And he yeah. played in the dead ball area. Yeah. 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 Big First. basketball fan. Yeah, he yeah. likes hoops. He goes to all the UCLA games. He goes to a lot of Lakers and Clippers games. So the, the Orioles, Cal Ripken, Eddie Murray. Um, in basketball, I was a, a big Reggie Lewis guy. I liked anybody from Baltimore. You know, it's a city that um, gets beat up quite a bit, uh, but I have a lot of civic pride. So if, if you're from, you know, whether it's Sam Gasell or Muggsy Bogues or Reggie Williams, you know, I, I like those guys who made it out. Nice. And you started off as a working in the basketball operations department in 1996, yep. right? And yep. then you got... Kind of your first break was 99 as assistant video coordinator? Yeah, it was funny. In 96 to 99, um, I was working pretty much full-time there, um, but I wasn't getting any money. Um, and then 99, you know, I, I was trying desperately to get into college basketball. Actually, I, uh, uh, my parents recently moved. They found some rejection letters for grad assistant jobs that, thank God, I didn't get. <laughs> wow. um, you know, I had, my brother was coaching high school. Um, my little brothers were playing high school, so I thought college would be a cool path. Um, and I, you know, I was broke. I had this, right. I had two other jobs. I was get sick of, sick of making no money, sick of living at home. So I, I kind of went to my then boss at the time, Wes Unsell, and he was fantastic. Um, he said, we'll try to do something. I got, I started getting, um, paid from the fine checks, fine money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had a couple guys that didn't like to be on time, which was great for me. <laughs> um, you got gas, groceries. <laughs> oh, hey, Rod, what time, Rod, what time's practice? I think it's at noon, Rod. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You don't, uh, you don't have to be there on time today. Yeah, yeah. Right? The practice is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he, he was fantastic, and um, they kind of knew the situation I was in, and um, they, they made up a, a, a title. Um, I was doing a lot of video. I was doing a lot of scouting, and um, it allowed me to kind of uh, purely focus on it and, and not have all these other jobs and, and kind of, for the first time, maybe think it could be you know, a real profession. Any, okay. any sort of athlete, like, well, I guess you would have been a, uh, following the bullets, from uh, Baltimore, any athlete or moment that you remember, uh, like in an NBA sense, that really drove you towards working in this sport? You know, I was a huge NBA fan. Um, unfortunately, when I was growing up, the team wasn't very good, um, and they were still known as the Bullets too. So. Yep, yeah. Um, but they used to play a couple times a year in Baltimore. Yeah. My father was a huge Baltimore Bullets fan. You know, or Monroe, those teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just went to sporting events all the time. Um, but I, I, an individual or a specific NBA moment, I can't say for sure. I watched so much basketball. I was probably more into ACC basketball no than the NBA. Yeah. You know, uh, it was before cable. We didn't get cable until later. So at Channel 45, UHF, you had ACC. Channel 5, the DC. I think UHF, you had uh, the Big East. So those uh-huh. two conferences, I could tell you, you know, Len Bias, you know, scoring like eight in the last minute versus Carolina or um, s- some of the Big East battles when they were really rolling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but n- NBA, nothing in particular stands out. You know, because I, I've been writing a series on the 94 Nuggets on Denver Stiffs, and that, when I was 16 years old, that always stood out to me. And that's what, even though I was always a Nuggets fan, that's what kept me a Nuggets fan because it was such a great moment. And it was all those things that really made me want to do what I'm doing right now, you know. And I found that most people I talk to within the league always have that, like, there's always not necessarily a moment, but there's a player or there's something that they, they notice. And for the, I guess with college basketball it works the same way 
you know, especially in the ACC where you do see good basketball. Yeah. Well, you know, we haven't been fortunate to see good college basketball until recently. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, actually. Uh, you jogged my memory. I can tell you exactly where I was when uh, you guys beat the Sonics. Oh, wow. was my buddy's Kevin's house, four of us watching it. And we were actually excited because Reggie Williams, right, was on yeah, the team. Reggie we were Williams, like, yeah. I, I went to Dunbar, and he played with Muggsy, and he played with, uh, you know, Wingate and Sam Cassell. Uh-huh. So I, I vividly remember that play. So I, I don't know if that one is in my deep subconscious, but that's a play I actually do remember. You know, that, that game, we watched the last two games at his house, and it was it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. I had a buddy from Seattle that had just moved here, and we all played on the same basketball team, and he was a big Sonics fan during that series, obviously. So me and my friend, after the game, and the Nuggets won, we ran outside, and we decided to turn on a hose, and then when he came out, we sprayed him with the hose. <laughs> nice. I'll always remember that. That's called bullying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true, but he was bigger than us, so yeah. <laughs> thought it was okay. Yeah. Say no to bullying. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I learned my lesson from that, <laughs> I guess. So let's say, okay, so you get into the league, you're, you finally get your first job as a scout. Yep. What do you, what do you kind of have to know to be a scout on the NBA level? I tell people all the time, our job is not, it's, it's not hard. It's hard to get. Um, I think whatever your passion is, whether, you know, I talk to a lot of um, guys and, and some girls who it's, it's easy to dissuade people from pursuing a job in professional sports or pursuing a, a job in, you know, the uh, entertainment industry. It seems so distant, so far. Um, I, you know, it's like anything else. You, you make sure you work hard. You respect who you're working for. You know, you you understand your kind of place in the pecking order. Um, you know when to give an opinion, when not to give an opinion. Um, and you just throw yourself into it. So I was going to, I mean, I think for uh, a decade, I think I went to as many, if not more, games than anybody in the in the world. Um, and I would go to any and every game. Uh, for the first maybe seven or eight years, high school was still permitted, or maybe even longer. The first ten years. I mean, my brother was coaching. I go to a, a Wizards game, and then uh, I go drive to Baltimore next day for a high school game, and then that night I go see Towson State play Loyola. I just loved hoops, and I thought the more I could see every level, I thought the more valuable my um, intel would be. And, and the approach I kind of took was, um, uh, you know, as you're working your way up, uh, my boss didn't need to hear what I thought about Charles Barkley. Or they had their own opinions, right. but if I could tell them what I thought about um, I don't know, Corsley Edwards, you know, those guys off the radar, uh, you know, uh, tell them what I thought about, um, I'm trying to go back, um, you know, the Galen Nickersons and the CBAs, um, I thought that's where my value would lie, and um, uh, it, it was um, good advice, and it really helped me where I learned the game from the ground up and understood that, um, you know, it's it's such a, the job so dependent on um, the talent evaluation and understanding the, the bigger the lay of the land, and the same things we ask our players for is, uh, you know, role acceptance. Um, I thought that was huge. Where uh, I enjoyed that. You know, I, I knew I wasn't going to be sitting there. They're not going to call me for trade trade ideas, or they were about to trade for Carl Malone. What do you think? I think those guys knew Carl Malone well. So it was, it was a pretty neat environment to to do that in because there's so many basketball schools in the you know Baltimore, D.C., Philly, Virginia, New York. I could just drive up and down 95 and see a million games. What are some of the places, I know you've traveled a lot internationally as well watching basketball, what are some places you've gone that you've enjoyed seeing the game and also what have you seen grow from the game from you know probably your early stages in the, in the 90s all the way up to now? Uh, I think the big difference is there's no secrets. Um, I flew last year, I flew for one day to Greece um, in um, actually my birthday to, to see the kid uh, Giannis who's in Milwaukee. You know, yeah. We thought we had like... We're talking about him coming the second round and guaranteeing, and we thought we'd scooped everybody in. You know, 
a month later with the internet, there's no secrets. I think, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you really could kind of, you know, someone hide a guy. You, you could have the right contact. And there was not, the world was big, um, the basketball world. Now the world's really shrunk where, you know, if I go to um, Moscow 12 years ago, I was lucky enough to maybe know this guy or that guy getting taken care of. Now every team has two or three guys. Um, and with the Internet and with um, 24-hour news cycle, um, there's really no chance to kind of hide guys. I think that's a big difference. Have you really seen, like, the international game grow as well? Like, when you know, if you're going places earlier, like, the, maybe their facilities are better now or yeah. the programs are better now? I, I think the facilities have certainly improved. Um, I think the infrastructure of countries um, has improved. And I think you'll continue to see that. Um, I think at times it's negative. I think that the NBA game has overly influenced European basketball. Um, and, and I like kind of the novelty and the uniqueness of um, European coaching that was more commonplace a decade ago. Um, now, the interaction and the back and forth between our guys and their guys is fantastic. Um, but, but for me personally, as a fan, I kind of enjoyed that, you know, eight years ago you didn't see every European team re- run horns up or floppy. Like you see NBA teams, you know, I, I liked that there was kind of a distinctive style of coaching and approach to the game. And I think that we're losing a little bit of that with the world shrinking. Well, within that context of hiding a player, a very famous incident happened with the Nuggets where Bernie Bickerstaff in 1996 drafted a Greek player um, named um, Ephthemios Rentius. Yeah, Rentius. No one had seen. Yeah. And I don't even believe Bernie would seen him. And he thought he was a center. And he turned out to be a six foot seven uh, <laughs> combo forward. And um, Alan Bristow, who took over for Bernie, went over there and I think saw him by accident. Right? What was the? I forget what that story was. But I think he went to see Scott Skiles' coach. Yeah, he went to see Scott, Scott Skiles' coach, and he managed to see Ephthemios, but no one knew about him. No one had any clue. And and you could do that in the year in Europe back then because you well, like it was likely that no one would have seen him and um, unfortunately for the Nuggets it turned out you know he never played for the Nuggets but you know it's that's one of those instances when specifically in the mid 90s where you could do that sort of thing you could even stay quote-unquote stash a player no one would see him well it was definitely my first trip to Europe it, it was a lot more fun I mean uh, my phone I didn't have a phone you know you weren't accessible um you know, internet was just starting to become more prevalent. You had to go to internet cafes and, you know, buy cards. Right. And it was, it was um, not to be too dramatic, it was more cloak and dagger. You know, you really had to know someone to get into practice. Mm-hmm. You couldn't email the press secretary. You couldn't, you know, randomly get in contact with someone. You really had to be, okay, this guy vouched for you so you can see, you know, partisan practice or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, it was certainly uh, more enjoyable that way. It was neat. You know, you felt like you were doing something different. And, it's also you were kind of off the grid now with the accessibility. No matter where you are, everyone's a phone call and email away. Do you think your experience at that time in Europe honed your ability to uh, scout in general? I mean, especially translating, having to work so hard to get into places just really affected the way you scouted? Yeah, I think it, it certainly helped. I mean, scouting is not an exact science. Um, you know, it, it's we have to be uh, um, you know, really cognizant of how uh, fallible we all are. And we're going to make mistakes for sure. Um, we always say we want to make informed mistakes. You know, We want to know the lay of the land, do all our homework, and then we commit to a move. And if it works, we feel great about it. If it doesn't, we'll you know, deconstruct where we went wrong. But yeah, I think it helped me with scouting. Also, I think it really helped me with dealing with people where um, you know, you're in you know, you're in Cherkasy, Ukraine, and 
you know, there's not an English speaker around and you just have to, you know, find that one person, explain who you are and you're trying to find your ticket or you're, you know, you're in um, uh, Novosad, Serbia and, you know, you just have to, you know, people are people and I think it was, it was helpful to see um, and kind of grow and see different cultures and certainly specific to the scouting is knowing that the cultural effects a guy's home country can have on his play, you know, knowing that certain guys maybe are more apt to be coached by this type of guy or a guy from, from this country might be more successful in this type of offense. So it certainly helped. Yeah. It was really fun too. But how did you, can you tell us a little bit about how you got the job here in Denver? Just kind of maybe, I don't even how, know how you go about applying for a GM job in the yeah. NBA or is, I saw it. Reach out to you. Or I saw it. I saw the monster. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was LinkedIn had something on it. Yeah, <laughs> I heard the Stiffs had a vote, and I <laughs> I finished ninth. <laughs> um, it, it's that's a, a microcosm of my uh, career. It's uh, I don't have an agent. Um, I've never pursued a job, um, but I've been lucky to have a lot of real relationships. Um, met guys sometimes before they're in the league. Um, and Masai, met Masai when he had just uh, started doing stuff with Orlando. Um, I had a couple dinners with Josh. Um, I was uh, talking to a different team about another job as well, uh, another good friend. And um, when the dominoes kind of fell here, when um, Pete, who's a great guy, got an awesome opportunity in Sacramento, and Masai um, got the thing in Toronto, um, Josh called me, um, and we had dinner, and we clicked. Um, I knew Josh a little bit. Um, socially, but I didn't know him well. But you know, it, he really um, the things he talked about that were important are important to me as well. And um, it was a, I think I got a call on a Friday. I was sitting at lunch with like Trey Burke and Michael Carter Williams. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and Alex Lynn. Um, I flew in Saturday. Um, uh, you know that, that Friday night you cram like you're ready for an exam. I was I was lucky because we had a lot of money to spend, so I was pretty familiar with your cap situation and I, I, a pretty good lay of the land. Saturday we went to dinner, um, and Josh was awesome. He um, and he said I would love to have you here, and I was beyond excited because let me call my wife and call Dell, my old boss, one of my best friends. You know, get get their blessing, and and we took off. It's been it's been a blast since then. So it was completely unexpected, completely. Um, dumb luck on my part and it's um I, I talk to our players all the time about how important it is to, to have real relationships and it was uh this job is a direct result of a, a real you know a real friendship with Masai and even go back before that I got the Dell called me when I was in Europe for the job in New Orleans I didn't you know, I've never pursued a job I've just tried to do the present job as well as I could so hopefully that um that gets me somewhere let's say uh it's kind of a goofy question, but let's say, so you've, you've been a GM for just a little bit. What's something that, you know, somebody might read or what you might tell us now where people would go, wow, a GM has to do that? Like, what's something kind of crazy that you have to do as a GM? Um, Jeez. Well, it's, I think it's funny to me. Um, we have a great organization here, and they, they try to get me involved in a lot of the uh, sponsorship or season tickets. And I always think, God, I'd be so disappointed if I saw me come out to a meeting. You know, <laughs> like I, I want to see, I want to see Gallo or Coach Shaw or Ty. So I don't think it's crazy. I just, it's still like, I don't know why would anyone want to talk to me. You know, I'm, that's probably the one thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad when I'm like. <laughs> Tim's going to speak to an event like, oh, God, you couldn't get J.J. Hickson, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, with, especially the Stiffs, they, they really enjoy the intera um, interaction with the GM. They love Masai, and I think they're, they're, 
now that you have established yourself a little more, they're they're coming around on on having a new GM and the a new approach. And I think and I think that's important for people to hear more than anything else is a the connection there because you know as you were discussing before, we're in this twenty four hour media you know Twitter world where like Masai leaves, Pete Delessandro announces that they they announce that they're going to hire him. Sacramento does like. And I think the internet knew like that. I mean, just lightning fast because it was all over. And in that kind of world, people appreciate the kind of reaching out and the communication like that. And I think I think that is it's a wonderful thing. But some Nuggets fans, this is going to be a sidetrack question here. Some Nuggets fans, since you're in part of your the organization now, would like to know if you've seen the movie Amazing Grace and Chuck. No, well, with um, with Kevin James, Alex English. No, no. Oh, I thought. What's Chuck? What's the one with Kevin James and then I'm Adam Sandler? Oh, whoa, that oh, was yeah. uh, that wasn't even close. Chuck, <laughs> that wasn't even close. Chuck and you're Larry. Gonna have to, yeah. You're going to have to. I mean, I, I will. You, I will check that out for sure. Yeah. Yes. It's a. Is it's it a on the terri- DVD or is it just on VHS still? I, I, I think don't I have beta. Know. Is it Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis is in it? I know you're talking. I've never seen it, but no, I'll check it out. Yeah, Alex, Tim, Alex English played a Boston Celtics player. Yeah, Tim Gelt may have a tape of that laying yeah. around. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I bet <laughs> you Tim. I bet you Tim would have that. I, I think it's a stiff viewing party at Gelt's house. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just like brought out the lawn chairs. Would it ever be interesting? I know fans always kind of want to know. Would it be interesting to be a fly on the wall in your office? Like to listen to kind of some of the inside chatter of a GM. Well, I always say this. Like I said, I don't have any delusions of how difficult my job is. I, mean, I think it's it's a, a fallible job, and, and certainly um, I'm a fan. You know, I'm a I'm a fan first, and that's how I grew up. I didn't grow up in it, so um, I think it would be interesting. I think it's interesting to be a fly on the wall with some of your you know your topics and some of your meetings. I think um, like I love your site. I try to stay away from the comments. Um, but my buddies always send me the best ones. <laughs> a lot of, you know, they 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 love your site. I'll, you know, once a week I'll get something that's killing me or a picture of my head on somebody else. Or they love it, man. They yeah. love they love the office one. Who's it? Toby. Oh, they yeah. love the, my head on Toby. Toby from the they office. like that. Yeah. They like. Uh, they sent me another one when I was Star Trek. I don't get that one, but I think it's cool. Yeah, I'm not a Star Trek. We guy have we have a certain uh, commenter on Stiffs. I believe Ty Lawson is his name, and um, uh, his handle. And he he does those gifts. They're, gr- I mean, they're great. Does, I think they're awesome. Uh, I don't know how Photoshop he skills. Can, yeah, yeah, Photoshop. I I couldn't even possibly fathom it. No, it's actually my wife and I talk about it all the time. And she she's obsessed with uh, reading all that stuff, um, but it's it's really neat to have such a, a passionate and learned fan base. And uh, you know, I don't think like I'm not an engineer. You know, I'm not an architecture where the one beam doesn't go here and the building falls. Um, you know, you never know what your moves are going to look like until you know. But this is true. I I, I like that we're we're process oriented. I mm-hmm. like that we uh, really um, go in any potential move, knowing every angle. That's whether it's analytics, whether it's um, off the court. I think our, our intel is fantastic. I think our our network of guys that we know in the league, every level from front office to players to uh, support staff, allows us to get a really good picture of the guy and how he might fit in, and then you make the move. Um, so I think, you know, to answer your question, yeah, it'd be fun. I think it's it's cool. It's cool to me sometimes when I sit up there. My first couple of weeks here was myself and Herb Livesey. Yeah. Um, Our you know, Herb, scout here. Yeah, Herb's a great great scout. Been doing it forever. Um, but kind of sitting there, you know, where you have all these ideas, what it's going to be like when you're in the big seat. And, you know, you look around, it's me and Herb. 
And you know, for a moment, you're kind of like, "Cheesy, cheesy, what am I about to do?" <laughs> and then you realize, "Hey, you know, you've done the work. Um, do the best you can, and, and don't look backwards." Um, so I think if you go into any decision, you can't be scared of it. I think you can't be paralyzed by fear, and you have to be realistic. Which you know, a lot of these moves will not work. Um, it's impossible, like 15 guys, because 15 guys can't play. Um, so I think it, it's it's helpful to kind of have that positive sense of detachment that like. And we're going to do our work, and we're going to make make the best decision possible, and hope it works. And understand if it doesn't, let's let's look at why it didn't work and learn from it. How'd you kind of go about putting together your staff here with our tourists and even Tommy? And it's funny, uh, Tommy. I coached um, I coached in uh, several of those Bass Without Borders events, and I was in Moscow two years ago coaching. Actually, I coached against Mel. I think I, I think I beat him too. Oh, wow. I think I, was, I think it might have been two and zero against Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Melvin Hunt's going to need some payback yeah. on that. That'll be like 6-0 by in a year from now. Uh, that was myself, Melvin, David Adam, and Mary Welly. We were all coaching teams. Um, Tommy, I met Tommy. He had just started working with the NBA in um, London, helping with them um, kind of um, grow their international brand. Um, and he, he had a real passion for the game. He was very knowledgeable. So it was particularly about European basketball. And obviously he um, came to the States to play, went to Harvard to play, had some health issues, wasn't able to play all four years. And he just struck me as a bright guy. Um, and I think... Um, you know, competence and intelligence are two things um, that, that really help any organization. Um, so he was the first guy I called after ten. We had Ben Tenzer actually yeah. before that to be our cap guy, who was great. I think it's great for the organization. A guy that intern here, then go to law school, and then to have a come back with a bigger role. Yeah. Um, our Taurus is a guy that I've known forever, and you know he's basketball royalty. Um, I don't. I, I don't think um, a lot of people realize how good a player he was. You know, he turned down the Mavericks, uh, European Player of the Year. Um, big time college player. You know, if he played ten years later, he would have been a. I think he'd been like a late first round pick. Um, has the respect across all all levels of basketball. Um, and I've always appreciated how he went about his job. You know, he never never bashed his organization. He was always very positive. He's a progressive thinker, um, and he's just a good person. So he, he was a guy I targeted very early on. Got very lucky to get him. Um, Jared Jeffries was a huge addition. Um, uh, we had a lot of success last year in New Orleans with Calvin Booth and Anthony Johnson, two guys who are you know freshly out of the game. Um, and the perspective that they give us is unique, and their ability to get in, get um, to get intelligence or intel um, that we don't get. You know, if I call a good buddy who's a coach, she's going to tell me one thing. It's, it's a whole nother whole nother brand information you can get when a player is calling a player. Um, so I think he provides a very unique perspective, and he's a really, really bright basketball guy and another really good person. Um, and then the last guy, the last two guys we brought him with Jim Klibanoff, who's run a very successful scouting service. I think he had 13 NBA teams last year. Well. Bright guy, you know, a law degree from Temple. Um, uh, never worked on the team side. Um, has turned down some offers um, in previous years from the t- team side. Um, his uh, organizational ability and his uh, you know no stone unturned approach is is fantastic. And then I, th- I think we have a superstar in uh, Raffle, our international scout. Um, yeah. Amazing story. Yeah. Two thousand nine, the guy didn't care about basketball. He fell in love with it when the New European Championship came. He's an encyclopedia. Um, nobody works harder. Um, I think we're going to be extremely aggressive in, um, in in trying to really exploit the European market. Um, not just in draft, but in, in also some free agent guys. And he's the right guy to lead the charge. So I love our staff. Um, I think the one common thread is they're all really nice guys. I don't, we don't have one guy with an ego. 
Um, we don't have any guy that has anything but team first mentality, and I think it's consistent from ownership down. It's pretty cool. It was fun getting to meet Rafi. At, he was around around uh, training camp time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. just telling me a little bit about what he does and you know getting to travel and kind of go talk to guys overseas and stuff. It sounded really cool. yeah. He just he sounded he, really sweet too. He and our tourists just left. Uh, they were in Belgrade last week for uh, to see Joffrey play. Took him to dinner. Um, I'm gonna go over in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, see Eric play a couple times. See Jeff play a couple times. And Raf, it's good to have someone on the ground there. Raffle's always talking to those guys. We're sending him videos. Um, we're sending him Nuggets gear. We want to make him feel a part of it. Well, Joffrey's got a little nice bit of too. that. Yeah. Joffrey's got a little nasty to his game, kind of like Joffrey from Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, King I can Joffrey. make that reference. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what it is. King Joffrey. That's that's immediately Stiff's picked up on that, and they they put crowns on him after and gifts and stuff like that. It's amazing. You know? quick they do that um so he gets crowns and i get the guy from the office well you know the, <laughs> the HR you got to work your way up you know <laughs> as i would you know I, I had to earn that superman shirt i was wearing a couple days the, ago, the superman so. shirt was impressive yeah. <laughs> first time i've seen a pair with a sport coat <laughs> <laughs> yes yes that's about as that's about as high class as i get <laughs> um you know it's, it, speaking of of that where do you see analytics being incorporated because it seems like it's taken over a lot of aspects of the NBA right now, especially We're, from the fan side. Yeah, from Fans the fan side, and then but the NBA with the sport view and and all this stuff that they have incorporated into it, and you see like the advent of Daryl Morey, you know, and all these other like specifically John Hollinger in uh, Memphis, you people who are running it like who are really into the analytics thing. Where do you see its place in the NBA, and how do you? use it yourself to, to kind of incorporate into uh, your moves? I think it's a very useful tool. Um, I've been fortunate where I cut my teeth in uh, traditional scouting, mm. you know, prior to, prior to the real emergence of um, advanced analytics and, and kind of the focus on metrics and projections and modeling. Um, so, so I'm appreciative of both. Um, I, I think it's, it's a necessary tool, and I don't think, you know, you should make moves without – really um, having some semblance of understanding of how this will affect your team and advanced analytics help you do that. Um, I think we're kind of at a a fork in the road, though, where it's become such a process-oriented league, it's about results. Um, And I think my my concern, perhaps, is that um, a lot of the national media is so blinded by analytics um, where we lose sight of what matters, yeah. and ultimately that's wins and losses, and you know, or it can be development. And I think um, a lot of the the projections and the modelings are so based on per minute projections, mm-hmm. and um, you have to ask yourself, you know, the guy averages forty and twenty over thirty six minutes, he's playing seven. Why is he playing seven? That's true. And sometimes, sometimes the the answer is he should be playing. He should be playing more. Sometimes the answer is because you know he can't remember plays, he doesn't work hard, he doesn't get along with his teammates. He's not a hard worker. I think it's it's a little bit too blind. I think there's a lot of noise out there with analytics right now. I think um, I think the sports view stuff where it's an infancy, where the the you know the smart money will kind of be able to build off that and and find you know relevant uh, correlations between development and that. Um, but I think ultimately, um, oh, here's, a, here's a quick throwaway. Last year, at, I went to Sloan Conference. I go, yeah. I've gone uh, several times. We didn't have a big budget for analytics in New Orleans last year, so we had a, a watch party with a bunch of really smart guys. Mm-hmm. It was the Nuggets Pistons. That's I'm not sure why anyone came for that nail biter <laughs> last year, but I just wanted to pick their brand. I thought it'd be fun to watch a game with guys who were, you know, I respect and I think they um, they're pretty good at their craft. 
and the one maybe uh, the one thing that not all of them wasn't consistent. Some of them seem to have a better grasp of it. It's still in human business. Um, so it's you know this is an interactive sport. It's not baseball where you can hit four hundred. Doesn't matter if you know you don't interact well with your teammates. If you're not well liked by a coach, you can hit four hundred. Um, it, it's a, with a five man um, sport. It's difficult to project. You know how how consistently um, these stats will directly translate to on-court success. So, um, again, very long answer to a short question. I think they're a very important tool. I mean, we employ them consistently. I think Tommy's done a fantastic job. But we're trying to become – we're really focused on um, relevant analytics. And and with a relevancy, not just myself, but with Brian as well, we don't want to inundate the coaching staff or the front office with stats for stats' sakes. We're trying to find – indicators and red flags to, to both stay away from and run towards. Well, it's an interesting interesting evolution in the NBA because the NBA always seems to be on the, the leading edge of a lot of different things like that. And I've, I've found in my own personal experience with it, the, the, like specifically in the media side, they really embrace it. A lot of national, as you said, media really embraces it. Um, it kind of, for me personally, I, I can't watch a game and think stats because it kills my enjoyment of the game. And I still try to enjoy the game. A lot of people, when they look at through the specifically through the analytics, they really get enjoyment out of the process and the and the numbers of of what's going on. Um, I think, and I think, and this is why I guess how I'd frame this question: Do you believe the combination once we settle into a more nice, comfortable combination of of the human element and analytics, then we can finally get to a nice it seems kind of uneasy right now, but I mean, can we get to a nice nexus where it's kind of both accepted and both processes are accepted in the NBA? I think they should be. I think, um, you know, I've uh, we interviewed a guy this um, this year for a position, and he thought I, I think when he walked in the office, I think he thought I had like a three point eight in economics from Yale. You know? <laughs> and I, I wish, I wish that was the case. My academic, you know. Resume is not too strong just because of my age and, I don't know, because of my lack of playing experience. Um, so I, I think anything that becomes combative is not productive. Mm-hmm. I don't think um, – I, I don't want to be known as an old-school scout. I don't want to be known as a numbers guy. Yeah. I want to be known as um, a guy who employs everything at our disposal and hopefully makes the best decisions. So certainly I think it's too combative right now. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it's because, um, you know – People try to be a little bit too clever at times, criticizing each other's sides, and they're maybe threatened by each other's sides. I mean, yeah. you, the bar should be high enough. These jobs, there's so few and uh, few of them, and, and they're so coveted. You should be good at both, in my opinion, and I don't think it's too much to ask. And you should be respectful of both. And certainly, um, if you're not employing any tool at your disposal, then you're not doing your job. Yeah, absolutely. We could probably get you out of here. I just wanted to mention, too, you got married over the summer. Yeah. Right? So how's married life treating you? Is, is this going to be – is my wife going to hear this podcast? Uh, no, maybe. I was going to say. No, it's, it's awesome. She's the best. Uh, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. She's fantastic. Um, you know, she moved to New Orleans with me, which was an easy move, left a great life in D.C. And uh, obviously she's in Denver here. She loves the city. She loves the fans. Like she's really, really into the fans. Um, and she's become like a basketball junkie, which, you know, after a win is really fun. But – after a loss, you don't want to hear, oh, you guys missed so many rim attempts. Like, 
<laughs> you mean like last night? Yeah, yeah the rim attempts last night. <laughs> Analysts didn't lie last night. No, they did not. You shoot forty three percent at the rim. You're not going to win a lot of games. Um, no, it's awesome. It's uh, it's just a really fun city. The people are great, and uh, I mean, I can't say enough about um, how easy the move's been. Um, from guys like you to sitting here with Tim Gullett, PR guy, he's awesome. Our owner's the best. Brian Charles can't get better. Um, and the city's just real easy. You know, the people are nice. It's vibrant. The weather's beautiful. I'm still not, I haven't found, I need to find a couple more hole-in-the-wall spots, you know. Um, but uh, it's, it's great. So it could not have been an easier transition. Nice. And you're enjoying yourself. Found somewhere to live, obviously, and doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Found somewhere yeah. to live. Um, I don't have any traffic, which is nice. You know, I'm used to dealing with traffic. Um, oh, yeah. It's great being, um, I'm still getting used to where I can fly to see a college game and fly back the same day. You know, geographically challenged. I didn't know I could get to Lawrence and come back the same day. It's great. <laughs> nice. Um, I wish I could be able to drive to a few more places to see college games. You know, yeah. that, that's a tough, I like being able to drive four or five hours, go see a game and come back the same night. So outside of Boulder and Laramie and uh, Fort Collins, I think I'm probably pretty limited. You, you enjoy the drive? I mean, I... I, I work in the art business, and I, I would have to drive from Denver to Jackson, Wyoming, and back in the same day. <laughs> and that's like an 18-hour trip. And by the time I got home, I just I just was dead for like another 10 hours. But I did that all the time yeah. when I was younger. But I loved it so much. As I got young, older, I was like, I don't want to deal with that at all. <laughs> just put me on a plane. I, I just like <laughs> driving that you have freedom. You know, I like getting mm-hmm. off the... The highways and seeing little places, and yeah. you know, I love I love driving and getting like fast food. It's the best. You know? Yeah, <laughs> get, like a milkshake from Arby's or something. Yeah, yeah. you the put Jamoka talk shake. radio on. Yeah, yeah Jamoka <laughs> Shake is great. Yeah. It's a great call. That's, that's a big hit with a lot of uh, GMs right now. Jamoka Shake. Yeah, that's yeah. a big time. Yeah, <laughs> you pay. You have your. You used to have. We used to have those mixtapes that you make for just for yep. trips. It's like, oh, this is the best of, you know, Megadeth. Yeah. I just, Blue- <laughs> just do Bluetooth and listen to podcasts the whole time. Those tapes are great. When you mix tapes, I made this mixtape the summer of 86. Like, <laughs> Nate's mixes. Yeah. Nate's what was on Nate's mixes? A lot of, a lot of hip-hop. Yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, not me. No, You're a death metal guy? No, no. I did Megadeth. Like war? No. <laughs> <laughs> I could never get into never get into gore. I was I was really I was a big Megadeth fan yeah. when I was in high school, and I kind of stayed with me. That's the only metal band that stayed with me. And that's mostly just like rock now. And stuff yeah, like yeah. But There's not even like really a like a hard metal scene anymore, right? No, I, it's mm. it's pretty much gone. I mean, uh, my the highlight of my of my last couple of years was uh, was getting in touch with. Uh, the guy who writes the Van Halen news desk, and I got to meet uh, David Lee Roth and uh, Alex Van Halen, You've which had, was amazing. You've had a pretty exciting couple of years. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Other than, other than that, I just stay in my room and cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else? Uh, what, what would be on Tim Conley's mixtape? Uh, I got I've got pretty eclectic taste. I love old school hip hop. Um, like I'm a big you know Nas, old Wu Tang, Tribe Called Quest. God, he and Ross would get along with yeah, him. Yeah, you know. So Ross really liked old school Wu-Tang, didn't he? Yeah. Even like going back EPMD and Cool G Rap, you uh, know. Yeah. Um, but I also really like um, a lot of um, a lot of the 80s rock, you know, the Depeche Mode, those bands. And I like all really old, old, old rock and roll. And I love the... the all you know, the st- yeah. <laughs> All that good <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> the Beatles, all those, you know, the classics. Jimi Hendrix. I just drive her a lot with my parents. They just listen to that stuff. When you try to get Kyle Speller to get back to saying Will Maddock after he makes 
shots in reference to Illmatic from Nas. Well, you don't like the, yeah, foy. <laughs> yeah. That's Tim Gelt's favorite. <laughs> That's pretty good. Does, that, like, does, does anyone get, do you think the fans really get the where the yeah, foy came from? From just, yeah, boy. Yeah, but who, who said that? Public Enemy. Yeah, but well, I think that was, uh, that was uh, what's his name, the clock? Um, Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. Yeah. No, I'm saying if we, if we uh, actually, we should um, ask our players, no chance. Maybe Randy would know. Andre Miller might know. But Chandler would know. I'd bet Chandler would. Yeah, Chandler likes music. Yeah, he likes music. music. Yeah, Nate might know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the European guys would know necessarily. But I don't think we know what we're saying in that Russian hip hop that we play when Timo scores either. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't want to (laughs) know. That could be kind of dangerous. Guilt's the hip hop expert. We should. They should all go to him. Russian hip hop is that your (laughs) wheelhouse? Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys take – I know you would mentioned over the summer that you might take the team to go see Dave Chappelle do some stand-up. Yes. Have you guys done any – did you do that? Did you do some team yes. events like that? Yeah, we did it. It was really – it was awesome. Um, we're going to try to um, get these guys to see the Lenny Cook documentary. We, mm. uh, we've reached out to producers. We want them to see that. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important that uh, we expose these guys as much as possible when they're playing because um, that's, that's, it's a difficult transition when you're done playing. And if you don't start – yeah, I'm keeping an eye on your post-playing career while you're active. It's really difficult. So we're, we've, we're um, certainly um, focused on making sure these, see, see these, these guys see past the court. And um, the more stuff that we can do like that, expose them to different things, talk to some of the brighter people in our community, um, you know, ask them what interests they could have beyond the court. Um, I think it's been um, really fun for the guys and, and certainly hopefully it um, helps them down the road. Yeah. You mentioned too that just kind of closing. You get pretty emotional during games. You know what? I only get emotional when there's a lack of effort. Um, I understand, just like our jobs, um, all of our jobs, we we all mess up a lot. Um, I, I get really, really upset when there's a lack of effort. I get really upset when there's a lack of commitment. Um, but a game like last night, for example. I was not. I was disappointed that I thought we missed a pretty good opportunity to beat a really good team at home, especially that we, we gave them that first game with our free throw struggles. But I thought our effort was there. I thought our execution was there. We, we missed shots. Um, so a game like last night, I don't leave mad. I get, uh, I'm not good with um, when there's a lack of competitive spirit or guys aren't playing hard. That's, I'm, I don't have a temper except for those things, and the temper comes out pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard. I mean, Masai used to pace just dramatically yeah. in the arena and just could not handle I mean, everyone handles it differently. And, and it's always fascinating as Nate was saying, just watch how the, how the GM would, would react in the situation. No, I'm pretty uh, mellow. Uh, I mean, I'll, you can watch me during the game. I don't, I don't react, but so much. I, I understand um, how difficult it is when you're out there. Yeah. Shoot, even as, Bad a player as I was, it's it's always easier when it's just do this, Tim. Like, I'm trying, you know, <laughs> I'm trying. It's pretty hard. Uh, so, yeah, I sent text message to Tim. Team needs to play better. Yes. Um, so I, I think I'm appreciative of, of certainly how difficult it is on, on our levels. Uh, but the only thing that kind of gets my ire, and it, you know, I, I don't think it's if we lose a game, I'm not going to storm by you guys. It's not your fault, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I think you have to have kind of a, a healthy, healthy sense of. Um, you know, the, the die's been cast when the you know when we started playing the game, uh, but the the lack of um, I just don't like guys who aren't competitive and don't play hard. I think it, it hides a lot of um, flaws, and I think it's it's reasonable to expect that what we're paying our guys that they should play hard. 
Most yeah. definitely. Hey, man, we appreciate your time. We Thanks really for sitting do. with us. Thank you so no, much. No, it was awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. You know, Tim doesn't get enough thanks. So thank you. You guys should do a podcast with Tim. Yeah. Put Tim Gelt on? Yeah. It's not a video podcast. It'll be yeah. called the Gelt Past. Yeah. On that note, uh, we're going <laughs> to wrap up this this edition. Get out of there, yeah. <laughs> Morton will be at, uh, he'll perform in Wednesdays and Thursdays at the Riviera. Yes. I'll be, I'll at be up noon. there. Yeah, I'll be at Victor Espelante in the Sons of Compunction. I'll be up at the Gilpin, uh, all yes. you can eat uh, French dips and au jus sauce. Yes. 25 cents. That'll be good. Thanks for joining us, Tim. We appreciate everybody out there. We hope you're enjoying your week. We'll be back uh, Thursday with our NFL picks. Remember to tip your waitresses. <laughs>